2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For the, if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may, may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so... We have a really encouraging word about the churches of Macedonia and Titus today, and then this um, encouragement towards uh, the Corinthians to be generous. And so, Brad, um, thanks for reading this for us. What What are your thoughts on, um, you know, generosity is an interesting topic in the church because it's been something that's been, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe wrongly understood and, and abused by, um, bad leaders over the years. And so, yeah, yeah. um, it, it's kind of created a weird culture where some people don't really want to talk about it at all. Um, which mm -hmm. also isn't helpful or right. So what, what are your thoughts on this passage in Second Corinthians 8? Well, I think generosity is one of those Areas and I, and I love this chapter eight and, and and as well as nine because it's like this extended treatment um, of of the most sustained treatment I think in the scriptures mm -hmm. of attitude towards money and mm -hmm. generosity and I think I think what what I got out of this just when I read this and and reflected on it it's like this is a key area that we can really demonstrate like mm -hmm. like to be who we are in Christ like we're justified we are in Christ but like out of that, I like the language in this passage, overflow, like this is a, a way we demonstrate and actually be who we are called. Mm -hmm. you know, this is sanctification. I think it shows up hugely in this, yeah. this area, this idea of generosity. And I just, and I love how Paul, there's a real example here that he gives us, like it's tangible. Like this mm -hmm. is, isn't just a theological treatise. I mean, there's people in Jerusalem that like need help need assistance and he mm -hmm. he uses that that letter to to build this whole idea of what does it look like to really be a christian like uh, piper had a phrase years ago john piper that i like where 
this is a, a chance for us to act out the miracle that we've been regenerated. Like I love mm. that phrase, act the miracle and generosity is a way uh, to do that. It's not a way to encourage generosity to get something like, mm. like prosperity gospel teaching. It, it's an overflow. Like yeah. th- this should be, and, and sadly in my life, it's not always been. And I, and it's something because of the, the way the world is, we're always, choosing to follow mm-hmm. Christ and his ways and the way of the world, which is to accomplish and achieve and build things. And so it's a challenge, but I'm very much challenged by this language of overflow. Like is my natural, in the natural state of me being a Christian, does, does generosity of, of, of money and resources, time and talent naturally overflow? And I think yeah. I wish it would be more natural, but I do think we have to take steps to do that. And I think Paul gives an, he doesn't just say, this should just happen. I mean, he actually has a real need that he encourages and challenges them to meet. So that's what I take out of yeah. some of the takeaways in this passage. That's a great word. You know, that overflow, he's talking about the the generosity of the, the Macedonian right, church exactly. overflow. And there's a really interesting little equation there that, you know, first they're in a severe test of mm. affliction. And then he says uh, that they're, one, their abundance of joy and two, their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. So abundant joy plus extreme poverty equals <laughs> a wealth of generosity. Yeah. <laughs> that is not how we think yeah, about exactly. generosity at all. Uh, you know, normally we think of, uh, you know, maybe abundant joy, but plus uh, extreme wealth equals great generosity. Yes, exactly. And this is like, you know, I think one of the most mispracticed and entirely ignored biblical principles about generosity is, uh, you know, we, and I'm prone to, you know, drift towards this line of thinking. And I think everybody is, um, especially sort of in the cultural air that we breathe. But, you know, once, you know, I would love to be so generous. Um, and once we get like some great, financial assets and we're a little more liquid and, you know, Jen and I work our way up the ladder a little bit more and, you know, we take care of some other big expenses coming up, then we are going to be the most generous couple at Christ's covenant. It's going to be awesome. And it's easy to kind of like take on that mindset. And, um, that's, you know, I remember as a kid hearing like delayed obedience is disobedience. And, uh, that's, that's what we see, like that generosity depend, like making it dependent on our financial standing actually, you know, makes it displeasing in the eyes of God, mm-hmm. because now the foundation of it is not self-forgetfulness, but it's actually just self-interest. Mm-hmm. As long as it is convenient to me, as long as it's comfortable to me. And so it, it, it's a good word, uh, especially, you know, to, um, some of our, you know, people that are kind of in my stage of life that are not, don't have long careers and, um, you know, wealth built up and all these things that as long as we look towards generosity as like this, this marker of financial liberty and success or whatever, then we've missed the point. Um, but in Macedonia, it's like actually their poverty um, that is what made 
their wealth of generosity um, so pleasing, so much so that it would be remembered in the halls of scripture. And so, and then in verse eight, he, he does something really important, which is that he points this all back to Jesus, um, that, you know, generosity is in a way it's, it's making yourself poor, right? And Christ, though he had the ultimate riches, he, he was enthroned in heaven as the word eternal. He, he made himself poor so that he could make many, so that he could make many others rich. And so, you know, this is not just like a nice principle, but it's actually the very fundamental act of the gospel. So did you have any other thoughts on? Yeah, that, that's a great passage. And you know, we talk about it at Christ's covenant as part of our, our discipleship, our, that wheel. That, yeah. you know, we talk about gospel fluency. And I think this is a great passage to say, you know, mm-hmm. what? how do we live out of what Christ demonstrates here? And I think like what this passage that about, you know, him becoming, you know, giving up that the, the riches to become poor so that we might uh, gain. It's like, it's, it challenges us to look at our giving. Is it, is it really lost? Like, you know, Will talked about it, you know, where he is in, in life, maybe at the earlier end, Lord, Lord willing, right. It, mm-hmm. uh, of thinking about these things, but you know, I'm closer to the other end. <laughs> if you look at normal yeah. lifespan and, and I'm, I sometimes am challenged to like when giving, am I, Am I taking away from like whatever that number is that I should have for a proper American retirement, right? Mm. And so, am I looking at that giving as is it is loss in the sense that I'm taking away from that that or or is this truly gain in giving mm. things away? And I think that pastors like Jesus gave so much. It's like when you look at the gospel, it's I came across this term recently that I never really had reflected on before: super abundance. Like what we have out of the gospel mm. is so like not proportional to what, Mm-mm. like we don't just get our sins taken away. It's like mm. we get like lavished upon us much more than that. Mm. And so how can we like hold on to things? And uh, it, it's just a really challenging passage. And, yeah. and, and I love how Paul, you know, takes after that passage, uh, verse eight, he goes into, you know, really challenging the Corinthians to like, fulfill your pledges, like yeah. fulfill your commitment. Your it's like yeah. on the heels of that, it's like, yeah. that's what he uses for the encouragement. And I think that's a great sort of uh, lead in to, yeah. to, to say that those words, mm-hmm. is, that's how we should be. Like we don't, we don't preaching just give, give, give without the fire lit before that of the gospel and what Christ does. It, it becomes like a legalistic command. Totally. But when you, you follow the 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 uh, encouragement to give. You follow that after after really showing what Christ has done. It just it's uh, our heart is just moved by that. At least that is totally. the hope. Absolutely. Well, so you know the the tithe, like the idea of giving ten percent, is like it's taken from Levitical law, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would argue that it's as the, is the case with all Levitical law um, through what Christ has done, you know, that, that like letter of the law is not something that we're bound with. And a lot of people would believe that. And, you know, since that tithe was kind of part of this like sacrificial system that we don't practice, but it's funny because, so a lot of people would say, okay, like we're actually not obliged to give 10% to the church because like, that's just a misinterpretation of Leviticus or whatever. And 
these words are actually far heavier yes. because it's like, okay, yes, you're right. In the new covenant, we do not owe 10%. We're not told we owe 10%. We're told that we owe 100%. And, uh, you know, like the, the new Testament model of giving is not, you know, 10%. It's like everything that you could possibly not live on. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a big challenge that it's not like lowering the bar for us, but it's actually like, no, the gospel is true. The church matters. Um, and so take what you need and live for other people. And, uh, and, you know, obviously of course, that's not saying that, you know, God doesn't provide, um, great things for us to enjoy and, um, that we have to live in, you know, ratty clothes and die of starvation. But it is saying that, you know, the the new covenant is not just a cop out for us to like get the get the easier part, but it's actually like, no, the bar is raised because we've been Absolutely. given a mission. And so, you know, we're we're called to rise and meet that. Um and Paul's gonna, you know, continue to unpack this a little bit more and um eventually land us talking about how to do this with a cheerful heart. So um, a, a lot of helpful stuff here and excited to continue to sort of press into this theme in Second Corinthians with you, Brad. So for Brad Smith, this is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.